everybody welcome back to another edition of the untitled jeff gluck podcast i'm your host jeff gluck and we're back with racing to talk about and for the first race of the season i have chris knight from catchfence.com here with me to talk about what we just saw in the clash here at daytona chris how are you i'm i'm Better than I was about a half hour ago because I wasn't sure what I was going to write about about the class because I was absolutely bored out of my mind. I'm like, this is no bueno. And then all hell broke loose. Well, I, I had texted you before the race saying, can you, you know, would you be willing to do the podcast, start things off the season? And then I texted you during one of the red yeah. flags. And I'm like, dude, forget it. We're yeah. not, there's nothing to say about this race. Um, and I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, let's just do it, do it after time. the duels. Yeah. Cause I mean, seriously, this, that race for a while was just on pace to be an epic uh, failure. And in some ways it still was yeah. uh, just with a different, a different way it ended. Um, let's just start with the, the controversy here. And I haven't talked to you to get your take on it. So, um, my take is that Jimmy Johnson uh, screwed up. He doesn't seem to think that he screwed up as much as everybody else does or that Paul Menard does. He Jimmy Johnson said after the race that he had position, he was there, he was inside of him, and then a wreck happened, uh, that he was doing an aggressive side draft and nothing more. I My interpretation of that move, and we're watching it here on replay a couple times to, just to make sure we understand what happened, uh, I, to me, it looked like he, he turned him, uh, that, that Menard, um, I don't know if Menard was really coming down to block that late. I, I, I didn't see it as a block on wrong. What do you think? No, I, I, here's the deal. I, I see, I'm watching right here, the replay. I think that Jimmy saw an opportunity, right? He knew that weather was coming and right. that we possibly only have one shot to do it. And then I think he went for a move. He saw a move. I think he was going to have help. Paul saw what he was doing and made a last second effort to try to block him and by then it was too late because jimmy was already See, there i don't feel like menard moves and and we're I, watching... I, I, just a tiny bit it wasn't much jeff i i really I feel don't like know I, I, I if really you're gonna like call menard that Mark. if you're gonna call that block or or saying that he got defensive there i'm looking for more movement than that i feel like menard was pretty much there and held his line i i feel like more of anything and something that really hasn't been brought up by either either driver necessarily was that this kind of side drafting and these cars in, the, in this current package with the play package seems to sort of pull them together. And in yes. Chase Elliott, slow him down. Yeah, Chase Elliott, when he wrecked in practice on Friday, he said after the, outside the care center, he, he took blame for it. He said, you know, my fault and everything. But what happens is when you get in that situation, it sort of pulls the cars together, and the wreck happens. And I, I almost feel like once once Jimmy was there, we're watching the replay again here. Once once he's there on the inside of his quarter panel, it Menard, Menard, yeah, it sucked him close to him, yeah, yeah. and it sucked. I I, yeah. I, I can see where where, move, where the air just moves Menard's car towards him, and, and and I mean it doesn't take much at these speeds to turn these cars around. So I can see it. But I will say this though: when we went to Red Flag before they declared the race official, uh -huh. Johnson said, "I'm here to win races," and it, it almost seems to me like. He's not remorseful at all. See, I see Paul. I thought Paul moved right. No, no. Watch this again here. And, and I wish you guys could see this as, as we're narrating this. But Menard's car 
does not move. I mean, we, the, the the view that they show from like the from behind in the straight line is Jimmy here's, Jimmy here goes, goes to the left. Goes Menard's the car doesn't move, in my opinion. So I it okay. Here's the thing though, you you can't blame Menard for that. Do we agree that you can't blame Menard? Whether you can blame Jimmy or no, not, you can't blame Menard. No, you can't blame Menard. But I don't know, necessarily know if I blame Jimmy either because he saw an opportunity and went for it. And how many times did we see? I'm not saying I'm not saying I blame him for the opportunity to go for it, but I think he caused the wreck. Oh, I, I, no doubt, Jimmy's actions spurred a reaction, and the reaction was as a 17 car pileup. See, I still don't feel like no. I, I'm still going farther than you on this one. I don't feel like he caused a reaction. I feel like he caused the wreck. Like he wrecked the field. Yeah, I'm well, sorry. I, I mean, I, he doesn't see it that way. I know he feels like it's a racing incident, and he's saying, you know, I'll have to watch it again. And um, you know, he he did there, say he's remorseful. No, and he hates to win that way, but he he, he, he did though. He he did he did. But I I I'm on the fence, and I, I just because I it just takes so little for these cars to go around and i that's just, true I, it just takes the the slightest error or movement by a car and boom you know paul could have hold a straight wheel but like you said if the air would have got underneath it and it tugged the car just a little bit it don't take much you know uh kurt felt like you know that he should have got the win because jimmy went below the yellow line and i'm like oh come no on. now I, see now that one i don't think he has a case at all because <clears throat> if anything you would say that Jimmy was forced below the yellow line to he was he was avoiding an accident there. He that wasn't like a traditional pass to improve his position. Um, that 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 I don't see. Um, you're you're and you're not going to take the the win away for rough driving or anything like that. So clearly it's Jimmy's win. Yeah. I don't I don't dispute any of the officiating. It definitely with comes with controversy though. Absolutely, and he has to own that. The controversy is that it, it's a stain on his reputation for plate races you know nascar on fox showed the graphic where um he had wrecked out of seven straight clashes uh before this i so. thought it was interesting though listening to paul Menard when he got released from the care center and him saying that's the way that jimmy races or that's the way that jimmy you know i'm paraphrasing here yeah but that's the way that jimmy races or that's the way that jimmy does things there i don't necessarily consider jimmy that kind of driver per se um but i feel like that there's a new fire under a new fire in his belly if you will and he's determined to do whatever he can to put himself back on the map uh, i don't think that this is the way that he wanted to do it, but surely he's in the headlines because whether it's a racing incident or not and everybody's entitled to their opinion and i agree with it he definitely was the center of the attention for causing the accident whether you know you believe it was his fault or not and uh he'll have to live with that going into the daytona 500 next week but i don't know it's just gonna be one of those things whether or not you know is paul gonna forgive him and, and chalk it up to a racing accident herself or is it something that he's gonna remember come crunch time next weekend well it, it, i think that you're onto something there when you talk about jimmy i would call it desperation yeah and and you it goes back to last year you know his first win this season take the roval I mean, that desperate move that he tried to pull on Truex and he takes them both out and Blaney wins that race because Johnson was just trying too hard. I think that the, the lack of winning is getting to him. He even talked about after the race tonight how his youngest daughter says her prayers every single night yeah. and she says, uh, please give daddy a win or let daddy win again. And it's like, I mean... You think that's bothering? It's bothering him. Absolutely. It's got to be bothering yeah. And obviously this win doesn't... He said that, you know, obviously this win isn't doesn't count as, as far as a points being but right. it's a good start you know yeah. so and he's got a new sponsor that he wants to make happy 
And new crew uh, chief with Kevin Mendering. Yep, all that questions. Can and, Jimmy and win it without Chad? And Chad Canales won the poll earlier in the race for the Daytona 500 with William Byron. Yep, so I think yep. that was eating at him a little bit, if you yeah. ask me. I think, it. yeah, it's absolute desperation. Um, he made the, but, his, his move was aggressive and it was too aggressive. But I understand why he wanted to make it. But, but let me ask you this question, Jeff. Okay. With that desperation, will that prone Jimmy Johnson to making more mistakes? Uh, I I don't think that I think this year after this after everybody gets through this Daytona Speed Weeks I think it's going to be a lot harder to make those kind of mistakes because with the new drafting package the cars are going to be so much more stable than they are even right now like with that all that downforce yeah. um, I mean there's going to be crazy aggressive side drafting and, and wrecks that happen big wrecks but I don't think like that kind of mistake. I don't think it's going to be like the drafting that we're seeing right now. I don't think that's the same thing that we're going to see I, at, I, at Vegas or something. I just wonder six months from now when you and I are sitting back here at Daytona in July, if Jimmy Johnson, if we go through this new aero package and we get all the way back to Daytona in July for the, the summer, you know, the Coke Zero Four Hundred, and we get here and Jimmy Johnson hasn't found his way back in Victor Lane or maybe he's struggling a little bit with his period, you know, what kind of desperation mode will Jimmy shift into to try to make sure he's a part of the playoffs? Could we see a move like he made tonight knowing that – it might be his only opportunity to get to win. Remember, last year we came here to Daytona in the in the summer race. Ricky Stenhouse did it not once but twice, and he still Maybe wound up on the wrong, yeah, and still <laughs> wound, still wound up on the wrong side of the fence. But I think right. that when we come to when it comes to plate racing, we're seeing drivers do whatever they can and and in, in desperation mode to yeah. try to get themselves in position to win a race. Because at times, I think that those drivers and these some of these teams feel like that that's their one opportunity to get into the playoffs. And I think it's great topic for us um but it's bad for the garage because it ends up in millions of dollars of cars destroyed well there's going to be a lot of cars destroyed this year let's be honest i mean i really think there's going to be some huge spectacular wrecks this year because the only way you're going to be able to make passes and get track position is by getting super aggressive on the restarts and that's what in some ways it's going to be rewarded what like jimmy the the type move jimmy did i i would say my prediction is now last year before the season i predicted that jimmy would not win a race all year uh, I have to say it's the one prediction I've ever gotten right because I'm not very good at predictions. But I think that when we're back here in July, sitting in this same conference room here up on, on the suites level, um, I think that Jimmy will have won a race or two. I, I think that the aggression that people are willing to show will be rewarded this year in a big way. Do you think we'll see the aggression in the duels on Thursday night? I don't. I don't. I don't see the point now. I mean, I think, I think what you'll see in the duels will be much more like um, – what we saw in the first part of this race where they were all single file see, against the wall. See, I, I, I see where you, where you can go along with that. But the other side of me says, well, Skippy, there's playoff points on the line. Yeah, I think they'll say, you know what, I have all season to get those. I'm not going to put know. myself in a compromising I, position now and I'm wreck my sure. primary. You know, and- but we saw how much points mattered, though, at the end of the regular season. Yeah. I, I, what is there like two drivers left to lock themselves in? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a race within that. But Jeff, we had not even enough for a full field last year, and we still saw the wreck, big wreck come out. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. So I just don't, I just don't see the logic in it. So what do you want to see out of the duels then on Thursday? Well, I, that's not what I want to see. Yeah. I'm just saying that you have a 500 mile race coming up. You've seen there's huge wrecks. What counts is to be there at the end of these races, not. Um, to everybody, see everybody wrecked out. There's wrecks all the time. I mean, 
this is two straight cup races now at Daytona where the leader has been wrecked and the person that wrecked them won. I just because if you go back to the, uh, I mean, I'm talking about during speed weeks because you go back to the Dylan Almirola thing last year. Yeah. Um, so that's you know this is like could be the, the the theme of the the trend of speed weeks. This is how you win, but. I just don't think it's worth it to try to push early because of that reason. Well, and I think at the same time, when I look at back, we're used to seeing the mistakes happen during speed weeks from the Xfinity series or the truck series. And this year, what we've seen happen in the, in the cup series, obviously with Chase's accident on Friday uh, during, you know, class uh, practice, which affected Kevin Harvick and Ryan Newman and Denny Hamlin had it. You know, just, he's already destroyed two cars down here during speed weeks. And then obviously we saw what happened today. Um, at some point, you know, you just like, okay, what well, what can happen next? I mean, Chase Elliott now goes into the Daytona 500 after qualifying fourth today without his car chief. You yeah. Know, his car chief being ejected. So, uh, and we definitely have some storylines going into Speed Weeks, but at least me to open-ended to see what, what can happen next before we get to the 500. I, I got a question for you, Chris, because I feel like this, this race will be remembered as a you-know-what show, yeah. if people remember it at all. But, you know, just for the most part... It, it was a not a good race. Uh, it was interrupted several times by rain, which isn't NASCAR's fault. But uh, you know they didn't seem to officiate it very well. Like they got there was some scoring confusion. Uh, they they were about to go back to green when there was a, a huge thing of fuel right on the yeah. front stretch that everybody was screaming about. They didn't call a caution when the drivers were absolutely going ballistic screaming. on the radio. Yeah, screaming about, about rain and saying how dangerous. Uh, Jimmy Johnson it was. was cussing. Even the winner of the race was that. Yeah, you know, like who, like who's running the switch up there? Right. So. You know, and, and, you know, it just wasn't the best day overall. The, you know, I just don't think. Well, David Hoots wasn't officiating this race today. Right, right. So, and, and, I, and I think that we have he to will, He'll be transitioning out of that role after yep. the 500. Yeah. And I think, you know, you had a, uh, you know, he had a new, new NASCAR official in there calling call the race today. And I feel like that there's, you know, I always feel like we come to Daytona and there's still bugs that they have to work out from, from the teams to NASCAR themselves, even in the media. In the, in the in the in the you know well okay so this is what I was going to ask you then because maybe maybe that being working out the bugs using this race to work out the bugs will will make you say something different here but I was what I was going to ask you is you know for a while it looked like this could get this day might get rained out in general and including Daytona 500 qualifying which set the the two starting spots for the the front row um, you know w- do we you know, does everybody need the clash? Does everybody need Daytona 500 qualifying? Could could the race, could the speed weeks not just start uh, with the duels to set the lineup and then with the clash, um, you know, you know, run the duels during the day, run the, the clash Thursday night, kick off speed weeks and really pack everything in, really make the duels mean something. Um, I, I don't know. It just I d- does the, NASCAR need the clash. I think NASCAR needs the clash, obviously, because it's been around for a long time. But I think what would make people more prone to the clash is you go back to what the clash was intended for, right? Back in, in the, the mid-90s and early 2000s, the clash was intended for the pole winners. And that's all we had in there was the pole winners or former winners of that race. And now you've got the pole winners. you got former Daytona 500 pole sitters. you got the playoff drivers from the season. and So, so there's all this different criteria to try to get uh, the cars in the race. But, Jeff, sometimes less is more. We've seen some great racing on play tracks when you have – you know, 10 to 12 cars like we used to have back in the day. So I wonder if, you know, I understand that we're in an entertainment sport and our jobs is to entertain the fans. But what I saw during the first, I don't know, 30, 35 laps, I wasn't entertained. I was like, 
you know, I know the drivers put a lot of this in their hands. I know that they can make things happen if they want to make things happen. And, and for a while there, the, the, the next to last restart, I thought they were going to make stuff happen. And then just as quickly as they got single file. But to, to your point, I still feel like that things matter. But I'm also to the point, like, do we need to be down here for two weeks? Well, it's, I don't, I don't want people to think like, oh, I don't want to be down here or, you know, I'm, I want a shorter season. It's not really just about that. I just feel like, you know, you sort of, you, you put this event on and you get everybody psyched up. Wouldn't it be better to have people psyched up for like, we don't do anything Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't do anything here Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Obviously Wednesday we have the day 2500 media day. What I'm saying is that there's no on-track activity Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Could you not come and maybe, you know, do the Daytona 500 qualifying? Why does it have to be on Sunday? Can it be like a, a Tuesday Well, thing? because I think traditionally they want to have an entire week of build-up for the pole sitter and, and run them all over the country I or whatever. It. And but they, That's not how it is anymore, though. Right, but things are changing in this sport. Right, right. So maybe it's time to, to consider changing the way the things that we do it. You know, I, I heard some, I don't know about you, but I heard some rumblings about whether or not in the future that the that the Daytona 500 would be the first race of the season. Really? I, I mean, that's what that's what I've heard during the offseason is that some of the teams that pitched NASCAR, why is our biggest race the first race of the season? Wow, so I, I, That's one tradition I, I would not like to see. Cha- I mean, I, I know I'm all about changing the schedule, but I, I still feel like Daytona should start things off uh, with the first race. I, but I, I mean, that's, but, that's how you build the hype for yeah, the whole season. But I think people are talking, and, and, and their ideas being thrown out there. And I don't I think every idea is a good idea, but at the same time, it's very expensive to come down here for two weeks. Um, you know, you have we we have an awful lot of practice. I feel like. For, well, what's expensive is when you come down here for the clash and they tear up two cars. Yeah. For no reason, right. and a pay a race that doesn't even pay that much. Right. There's not that many people in the stands. I don't know what the ratings are going to be, but it's like it's not that big of a race. Where if you just said, let's really, really, really put the hype of that feeling of cars on track for the first time, like everybody was so psyched to see those yeah. first practices Friday, put that hype into the you know the real the last final days before the 500 and really build that event up build the duels up because right now i feel like the duels don't matter as much mm. you know because you remember when they do matter how much fun it was absolutely yeah absolutely it'd be cool to get back to that feeling yes yes so like what if you let, let's say nascar went into this thursday without any position set at all oh my god Right, like yeah. the front row wasn't set, and the two two of the four and you open race cars in your duels determine the Daytona 500 starting positions. Yeah, you race race it to determine you, the pole. You race it to determine all four of the open spots. Yeah. That would mean a lot. I feel like the duels and would I, have a lot more height. Maybe your practice speeds would determine how you would line up for the duels. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So I so because because in in a way because you know I, I know you sat on the phone conference you were at home but when we went to NASCAR R and D Center we're in a, whether whether you like it or not all right the scope of NASCAR the layout the the land however you want to call it it's changing mm-hmm. so I think it's time for us to start thinking outside the box and and, and well, I'm new, not, it's NASCAR's I mean I I could come up with all sorts of ideas but NASCAR's got to be the one to make the decision right they, listen but I mean, but they they you're right the ones that made the decision. But I don't think there's anything wrong with someone like you or myself, whether it's on radio or whether it's a podcast or whether it's writing, to to, to put things out there and ideas. And I think, 
you know, I'd like to see it all be done in one week. I think you could run the ARCA race uh, at one and on one night here during the week. You could run uh, the, the you know the clash if you still want to have the clash with the pole winners because that's what's intended to be on one night. And then you could run uh, the duels and and solely maybe under a different format uh, on the Thursday night when they get. And then you got the trucks Friday, the Xfinity Saturday, and, and Cup Sunday. I really feel like there's a time in the sport where. It made sense to do it for two weeks, but now I'm not so sure that I'm in a position where I think it makes sense to be down here for two weeks. Okay, it's settled. Scrap the clash. Start speed weeks Wednesday. Uh, you know, Arca race Wednesday and practice. Uh, duels Thursday. Trucks Friday. Xfinity Saturday. Daytona 500 Sunday. Boom. Yeah, that's no. how you start it, Pat, and 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 everybody gets more for their value because they and get the extra fans, races. And right. the fans can be down here; they don't have to take two weeks off of work. Yeah, because right now you're not getting people who are coming for the entire speed right. weeks. They're going to come out. They're going to come down Thursday right. or something. Right. right, and 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 obviously we're not. You know, it's not a big. You know, as far as the track, it should be easier on the track because they're not here for the full two weeks. Yeah, I think in this case we're, you know, in the past it worked out like it was okay. It was okay. You know, like we were okay with being down here two weeks. Now, when a time of revamping and there's less media people in the media center, you know, because of cost and everything, if we're looking at ways to in- increase the excitement and, and, and increase the value and increase the people being involved in our sport, let's look at our own our, our own schedule and see ways that we can tighten things up. Well, Chris, uh, tomorrow uh, or Monday, as people are hearing this, I will be doing the Was It a Good Race poll for the Clash. Uh, unfortunately, for whoever likes the Clash, I'd... I, Doubt that's going to be on the favorable side, but I'm not sure the percentage. So let's try to guess for the first time this year, uh, what will the percentage be of yes votes for um, the clash? Was it a good race? Uh, do you want me to go first or you want to go first? 21%. 21%. That would put it as one of the lowest uh, races. The poll's been going since 2016. That would put it among the lowest races. So you think it's going to be that low. pretty bad? Yep. Yeah, I, I tell you what, man, I I am gonna be, have a be hard pressed to find people who are gonna be, say yes. Um, I don't know though. I think people might be jazzed that it's back. I I'm not sure. I might go I might go twenty five percent just because I feel like maybe people. I I don't know. I don't know. Twenty one percent is a, is a is a decent guess. That that could be very close, honestly, but. Uh, I think the lowest ever might be 17% or something. So you're really getting, which was like, um, I think it might've been either one of those terrible all-star races or the brickyard one year that was, was terrible. So yeah, I mean, whew. what was, what was worse? The clash or the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> yeah. Both. But, but but before we do get off here, Jeff, okay. I, I do want to talk about something real quick. Okay. I want to talk about Daytona 500 qualifying today because I really thought it was, you know, Hendrick Motorsports had an absolutely tremendous day, you know, with the clash involved and everything else. But okay. When, you, when William Byron gets his first poll with Chad Knauss as, as his new crew chief, and that's pretty cool for Chad Knauss to give – you know, Jimmy Johnson's first poll as a driver. Now he's giving William Byron his first poll in his first race and, and all that good stuff. You got Jimmy Johnson, uh, you know, Chase Elliott third. Uh, Jimmy Johnson third, Chase Elliott fourth, and, and Alex Bowman last year's Daytona 500 pole sitter on the outside. I am very intrigued and would like your thoughts on, do you think that Hendrick Motorsports can pull off what um, Stuart Haas Racing did at Talladega? Super Speedway last October, if they're able to keep the four cars together. 
No, I, I, I don't because I feel like, um, I feel like usually whatever we see in single car speeds in qualifying and things like that doesn't really translate much at all in a lot of ways to the race. It's really about your race trim. I mean, how many times have we seen like, um, you know, a team that will qualify in like the twenties together or like the, the low teens or something. And then all of a sudden during the race, they're the, they're the dominant ones. Um, I just don't feel like, I don't, I don't see the Hendrick car as becoming some force where they're just going to be running one, two, three, four. I think they obviously had great, uh, single car speed and, and they really put a lot, a lot of effort into those drafting runs. But, um, you know, some teams came here and Friday didn't even do any, any, uh, sorry, not drafting runs, the single car runs, the qualifying runs. Some, some teams didn't even do qualifying runs on Friday during practice. They're just like, ah, oh, we don't really, I mean, it's just not, that's, they're working on the draft. So, um, I don't see a repeat of the, the Stuart Haas thing. I think if anything, if anybody's going to repeat the Stuart Haas, it's going to be them. Stuart Haas would just be right back at it. I, I don't know. I mean, in, I'm intrigued a little bit, uh, you know, because, you know, I, th- I think that Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott have strong cars, and obviously, uh, you know, they're going to be in in respective, uh, you know, uh, duels on Thursday, and I think that those guys will work together with with um, you know the, their teammates and whatnot. But uh, I'm just going to be, you know, I, I just I, I think I just want to see for myself, Jeff, if it can be done again, and if it can be done by a different team. And I think that's that's just a burning question I have in my mind, and so I'm curious to see what we'll see you next Daytona 500. But I will think. I, I predict, and call me if I'm wrong, we'll see a first-time winner in victory lane for the Daytona 500. Well, let's hear it because last year on the Clash podcast, um, Dustin Long called it with his Austin Dillon pick out of nowhere, and uh, he, he, got it, he got his Daytona 500 winner correct. So nobody will remember if we're wrong, but let's, uh, let's just go ahead and say who we think will win the Daytona 500. And then if if we're right, we'll just come back and revisit that and say, oh, look how smart we were and yeah. not mention it if we got it wrong. So uh, do you have a pick? You say it's going to be a first-time winner? Yeah. I think it's going to be Daniel Suarez. Daniel Suarez, Daytona 500 winner. Well, see, that would make sense, though. Like, let's say Stuart Haas dominates the race. Suarez is up there late, uh, makes a move. Maybe some of his teammates... You know, something happens to them. He's he's been up front all race. He's able to do something. I, I you know, you know what? That's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm going to go with a Ryan Blaney victory for the Daytona 500. Um, not a bad pick. He's been very stout on the plate races, and I think that uh, he showed some stuff today in the duel in or the in the clash rather that uh, the Team Penske has some, some good plate cars. Yeah, I think those Team Penske cars, really Fords in general, I yep. think are going to be up there, and so. Um, I think Logano, Kozlowski, yeah, Fords are tough to go against here. I mean, realistically, but anyway, uh, thanks so much, Chris, for starting this off. I feel like we had a somewhat spirited debate or, or, or at least something to, uh, talk about. At least I'm not yelling at a driver this year. Yeah. You know, Chris Knight had the most listened to, um, co-host on the post-race podcast last year based on his Atlanta rant about Clint Boyer. So, We'll see, Chris, how the numbers stack up for you this year. I don't know if it'll be this high, but it'll be. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's always great. You know, look, uh, I'm a patron for JeffCluck.com. I enjoy being a patron for JeffCluck.com. You're my friend. I I uh, appreciate what you do, and, and thanks for having me on. No, thank you very much. He is Niter01 on Twitter. Um, I'm Jeff Gluck, and we will talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.